Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How was LA? Man. My first time out there, it was amazing. Like, spent two weeks, uh, about 12, 12 and a half, 13 days out there. I can't say enough about it. I was, I got a lot of work done, but I was also like able to balance it out with some play. So yeah, man, it was a great time, great experience. Met a lot of uh, new faces, met a lot of people who, for the first time, who I had like internet connections with, or we had made music together. And it was just nice to like, finally see them in person met a lot of cool people who i'm super inspired by it's crazy to say that i was i had the opportunity to share a lot of the same spaces as a lot of musicians that i respect um but it just kind of let me know like okay i'm doing the right thing i'm like where I, where i need to be just keep going up from there life affirming yeah exactly those people that you'd um, known previously and made music with online, but you were meeting them in person for the first time, did you make music together again in LA? No. Actually, Elo J, he was the only one. It's crazy that he was actually the only one. Um, you know, me and him, that's one of my best friends. So uh, I had only met him one time before, like ever, uh, when I opened up for him two years ago, over two years ago in Atlanta uh, in March of 2019. Um, we had known each other maybe for like six months before then. It's just crazy to think like once we actually like hung out together, because I stayed at his his spot for the first week that I was there. But we had built that relationship up until that point. And then once we linked in person, it was just kind of like right where we left off. It's, it's like we hang out every day, except it was literally like it's crazy. We had we've only spent those two weeks together in person, but yeah, man. That was the only person like I continued to work on music with, working on stuff for his album and stuff like that, and and working on some stuff for for my project and just kind of bouncing ideas back and forth because we work we work on music all the time. Some of the other people, you know, we probably worked on like one song together before, and it was more so like uh, 
new relationship building with them. Would you ever move out there, do you think? Could you see yourself living there? Uh, not right now, only because of how expensive it is. Uh, LA is just it's nuts, man. Like I told you, the amount of money I spent out there just <laughs> on just two weeks, man, is, is pretty ridiculous. But it's, that's regular out there, you know what I'm saying? So like for me, Atlanta's home. Uh, it's significantly cheaper to live here. I have pretty much everything I need here. Uh, it would be nice to maybe be bi-coastal. I have a couple friends who do that. Uh, they'll, they'll bounce back and forth. They'll like spend a month out in LA or two and they'll come back home. But if I were to do it, I'd probably just visit often, like maybe every other month or maybe like four or five times a year and just stay two, three weeks at a time. Yeah, because if you did it too on and off, you might end up feeling quite unsettled and you wouldn't have a home. You kind of just be back and forth and not settling anywhere. Exactly. And I need balance in my life, man. So it can't like, and that would, that would definitely throw me off balance where there's just kind of too much going on. So yeah, I would definitely, Atlanta's home is like in the South, it's a lot different from like the West Coast altogether. So in what way? The South is slower, man. So slow. Uh, and I prefer it that way, but obviously like wherever you grow up, that's what you're going to be conditioned to like, you know, enjoy or dislike me. I ended up really enjoying it. Um, you know, just, I started traveling alone. When I was like 19, 20 years old. So it's been a few years that I've been doing it on my own and I've gotten the opportunity to kind of get my feet wet in other big cities. Like, New York, I've been several times. Uh, first couple of times I went to New York, I wanted to move there. Uh, when I was in college, I was like, man, I, once I graduate, I'm going to move here. But by the third, fourth time I visited New York, I was like, yeah, not that I hate it. I just cannot see myself moving here anymore. <laughs> it's very chaotic. And I, I imagine there's a romance in that when you go for a week, but living there 24 seven that maybe starts to mess with you a little bit of course of course in it i got a chance to experience like what the city was like the longer i stayed so there was one point i stayed for like two weeks and another time i think i stayed i think the longest i've ever stayed was two and a half weeks and that was the time where i was like all right i'm I'm getting a better feel for this city and then the two times after that i was like yeah nah i, I don't know if i could like again it's, it's kind of like that bi-coastal thing, except I just kind of like be bouncing up and down the East Coast. New York would be a little easier to to do that uh, with, though, because L.A., you kind of need a car to get everywhere. If you're not driving, you're lifting or Ubering everywhere and their public transit system isn't the greatest. Uh, but New York's MTA is I know people who live in New York, they have their beef with MTA and they hate it. but Anytime I'm in New York, I use MTA to get everywhere. Um, so it's very, very convenient. All those reasons are, are why I would stay in the South, just because it's, like you said, it's busy and chaotic there. And being there too long, I just feel like I need a break. Um, this is the only place where I can be for a very long time, like very lengthy periods of time. You mentioned a few moments ago as well, the importance of having balance in your life. And that you really need that. When did you first find that and feel like you were settled with balance? I started to find out that I needed that my last year of school, which was 2018, 2019, because there was just so much going on. I was working a part-time job. I was interning. I was a full-time student too. 
Did I have that right? Full time student, part time job, internship. That is a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, and I was doing that my last two semesters of school, man. It was just very overwhelming. After I graduated, that summer was kind of rough because I had like three classes left to finish. So, once I got done with that, that post grad depression kind of hit really hard because I always tell people this like, you know, you're in school from age four to 22, and that's all you know. Once you're like out of that cycle of life, you're entering like early adulthood, you kind of feel uneasy. So I started doing certain things to kind of get myself more balanced in life just overall. But once the pandemic hit, man, that's when I actually started to get into an actual routine. Like every day I drink tea, I meditate, you know what I'm saying? Like I do things that like, I'm a big spiritual person. And for me, it's like, I always tell people spirituality is not just, it's not as easy as you think it is. You have to actually put work in. Uh, but you see the results when you actually put work in, like you're happier, you're more balanced and you have a more like a uh, much more clear train of thought just all together. So I'll, I'd say like my last year of school entering the pandemic and through the pandemic, I've done a ton of things to keep myself balanced overall. You were, you know, you were mentioning that idea as well, that from the age of four to 22, school is all you know, and then you leave that structure and it's a shock to the system. Do you feel like an adult now? Not fully. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of things I still wish I was able to do. Um, or there's some things that I see my parents handle and I'm like, all right, I don't have that many responsibilities, but I'm also like, I don't have any children either. So I don't have a ton of adult figures around me. They, they do have children, but they don't. It's, it's weird. Like the older adults, like in my family, are, everybody has been, like children. So I see what that lifestyle is like. But some of the younger adults that don't have children, it's kind of like, I'm like, all right, I'm not too far off from where I guess I need to be um, as far as like what's considered an adult. But that's such a broad term nowadays, man, because like there's so many ways like you can live your life to, uh, there's so many things that you can do to accommodate your lifestyle and what works for you. And yeah, I think I'm getting there as far as like where I want to be as, as a young adult. I guess to come back to the meditation and the spirituality thing, I imagine that comes in handy with realizing what you want. And then once you know what you want, it's easier to get it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like with the me meditation and like manifestation, it's like a huge part of that. So obviously you can't like wield the universe and like just wield life. You have to like put work in to like see results and actually like i'm just a firm believer in like earning the things that you get nothing being given to you so yeah definitely i would agree with you 1000 percent on that if you give to the universe the universe gives back it's that simple it's that simple what circumstances do you need to meditate i've gotten so good at it man that sometimes outside noise does not distract me as much as it used to i prefer for it to be quiet i do it in my room at home you know, I burn a candle. I keep my blinds open because I stay on the second level of my house. That's where my bedroom is. And I love like the natural light coming in. Even on a rainy day, it doesn't really bother me. I just have to have like the lights come in, the, the natural light come in. Yeah, well, the other lights in the room off. Yeah, 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 definitely. But I'm not gonna lie, sometimes like more recently, I've been doing like some meditation sessions at night and it's like very, very like calming and soothing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird, 
with that little candle just like burning on its own it's like all right this is kind of nice um and then there's other circumstances that i can't really control like if i'm out of town you know you can't really control like the noise because like the last airbnb i was in in la i was in i had the entire like studio loft to myself but there was like a unit above me and you can hear like the dog <laughs> above like running around and stuff but like i said that doesn't really bother me as much um the routine is like so ingrained <laughs> that i just know what to do and know how to work through it it's like music as well like if you imagine you know performing songs live you just get into that groove and it becomes like second nature absolutely absolutely they, well i'll say this if if you've been rehearsing it enough because <laughs> there's been times like where you know i wasn't as prepared as i probably should have been and i forgot something like mid-set like there's some things musically that are just going to come second nature like the way like a shape of a chord you know you don't have to think about that you just move it around um, based on the chord progression you're playing you were saying as well that you know if you're meditating at night you'll have a candle because I saw you put out, you made like synesthesia candles with like scents for each of the songs. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you caught that, man. Because um, people who were new to my music, they probably wouldn't know like what's Aura Blue, what's Bamboo Garden. For me, I'm really big on repurposing like my art because we put a lot of money into it. So it's just like, why not? But yeah, my friend actually came up, my collaboration partner, Josh, who runs uh, Acme. It's called a company that makes everything. He came up with that idea and I was like, this makes perfect sense. This makes a thousand percent sense. Let's do it. We just were like, all right, it'd be kind of cool to name them after songs. And he came up with one of the descriptions and he was like, all right, you got to do the rest. And then I just, I got really deep into it, man. I was actually going to have somebody else write it. Um, but then I was like, nah, this is really personal to me. So I'm going to finish writing these out. And yeah, a lot of people were like, what's the actual scent? I'm like, that's not the point. It's supposed to read the description. And that's what the scent is. Then you kind of feel the scent, not just like, I'm really big on scents too, like as far as like what the actual smell is. Um, I'm a fan of like sandalwood, uh, cedar magnolia, those that type of stuff. But like you said, synesthesia, like I just wanted to, I wanted people to kind of feel the scent as it fills up your space would you ever experiment with that in the creative space would you burn incense or something while you're making music or creating so i don't burn incense i'm like a huge candle guy but what i did i recently purchased some palo santo i wasn't familiar with it before i went to la so i know a lot of people burn sage i don't um, burn sage uh but palo santo is, is really nice i've done a little bit of research on it it's supposed to like cleanse your space and I know sage gets rid of negative energy, but I was told Palo Santo brings in positive energy. It reduces stress and whatnot. So I have not created with that quite yet. I make a ton of music with the candle light, like lit in the room, just because it's it's regular for me. I'm I'm gonna make some music with the Palo Santo lit and see how that works out for me. I like the idea of bringing in positive energy as opposed to getting rid of negative. Yeah, because I, I, I do a ton of things. Like I have a routine to keep myself balanced and keep positive energy around. So I want to bring more of that in. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a space that you tend to create in? Like is there a location that you would usually go when you're going to make music? Uh, so fun fact, I hate studios. Like I hate studios so much. I only go if I absolutely need to. So I tend to create in my own like bedroom. Um, I have a setup, like I, my room is pretty huge. So like the way it's set up is 
it's is very conducive like it's i can do what i need to do i can bring people over if i need to and it's worked for the last three years so i'm probably going to keep it that way what's your setup like like what's the atmosphere in that room like when you start creating what are you going to have to do to manifest that space for yourself so just my whole thing with having a so having music and work in my bedroom is all right if i'm going to be working on music the space needs to be like set up for me to like thrive musically even when i'm not making music so this needs to be a comfortable space altogether so i think that having that foundation anytime i get a random idea i'm already comfortable because my room is like my zen i think my room is like really cool i got a bunch of plants in there cool posters yeah man and it's really spacious so i'm able to kind of walk around roam about my room just thinking about all these different ideas you know like i said once something pops up or if i have it on my schedule to work on something like i just get up and it's kind of like second nature because my space is because i hear a lot of people who have to leave their space because they're not comfortable in their space to get work done i'm kind of that way sometimes depending on what i need to get done i need to leave my space because i get too comfortable <laughs> so that's kind of like the bad thing about it. it's like all right like i'm too comfortable in my room like i need to get out of my space to be more productive in this area of my work like i said having that foundation like where it's a peaceful atmosphere i feel comfortable i'm right at home it's it allows me to to crank out uh great music well i mean i was gonna ask as well you were mentioned that sometimes you have to leave that space because you get a little too comfortable with the names of the synesthesia candles and quite often your song titles too quite a lot of them they they kind of lend themselves to this idea of nature or organically you've got bamboo garden feel the breeze you know these idea of natural things occurring did those spaces play any role in your creativity at all you know spending time in nature and organic spaces definitely um i've kind of been a lot more intentional um with when i go out in nature and, and what i'm looking for when i go out there um and when i when i use the word intentional you know some people they have to be in a certain space to gain inspiration and sometimes i'm like that but for me it's more so about like just enjoying life and just soaking things up and appreciating like what nature has to offer um instead of just going out there and kind of using nature like you're supposed to use it but like use it in a way where you feel like you need that in order to create something special for me it's just about going out and enjoying life and then having something to create afterwards so iridescent love that was a super vibey project and it was probably one of the least intentional bodies of work that i've put out so far so it was kind of weird how some of those song titles came out i just wanted to kind of like play along with the theme of my name because that was kind of like my intro uh to to the music world that's that's the project that everybody got hip to as far as like getting to know me the project after that was like super super intentional that was like less about nature less flowy less like like melodrama and build the breeze and stuff like that um but yeah man that's that's kind of like where those titles came from just me being just a free-flowing spirit all together and me kind of playing around with my alias yeah and there's definitely a connection there between the idea of those environments and that concept i mean what you were saying there as well about feeling quite grateful does that kind of tie into lucky me a little bit and what you're approaching in that song 
And so I actually got asked this question recently, and I'm just going to be very straightforward. That song uh, is not about being grateful. That song is about it's about sex. And uh, that's why I chose Sebastian for that, man, because he's just a, he's, he's just one of those artists who is not afraid to, to talk about that. For me, the direction my um, music has been going has been uh, way more edgy, way more sexy, way more funky. Um, and this is something I've always wanted to do. Uh, and I've, I've finally kind of reached a space where I feel really comfortable in making that kind of music and showing that side of myself because really it's just an extension of who I am. But yeah, that's what, that's what Lucky Me is about. But I am grateful that I'm in a space where I'm comfortable enough to share that side of myself. <laughs> how, how come you were a little cautious previously about sharing that side? Because it's hard to do it in a way where it's tasteful. Uh, you see a lot of like sex sales just in general um, and people see a lot of it. But for me, I was like, all right, how how can I do this in a way to where it makes sense for me, my music and my image? And how can I kind of surprise people, but also ease them into it without just kind of throwing it on them? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. There's other artists that I've seen um, who kind of just did a complete 180 and it didn't necessarily work out for them the best, either because they didn't execute it well or people weren't accepting of it. For me, I was like, all right, I want to do this for me, but I also want to like show, like give people another yeah. side because I feel like your fans deserve to see like your evolution as an artist. Did you have to write a few songs surrounding the topic before you got to Lucky Me? Nope. So I had a bunch of stuff on a mood board. I will say that. So that's where you see all the, the cover from like with me with my shirt off and like with leather pants on. Sebastian with him kind of being the artist that he is already who he plays with a lot of romanticism in his music already it just kind of came together naturally man I kind of set the foundation for what I wanted to do with the cover and whatnot uh, with all the vision and mood boards I had already had for a year or so once I made that song I was like oh man like I know whoever I get on this is going to be crazy uh, and I'm glad that he wrote about what he did because Man, I felt like people needed that song. It's, it's fun. Uh, Are mood boards, are they something you tend to utilize quite often? Yes. Love mood boards. That's one of like my favorite things to do um, when I'm not creating music. Because people, sometimes they ask me, like, oh, like, how often do you go without making music? I'm like, I do it all the time because I'm like a complete artist. I never confine myself to just doing one thing all the time. So mood board is like, it's like a hobby, but it's work, but it doesn't feel like work because I enjoy doing it. I love like grabbing all these different ideas from different places and making them my own on the mood board. And then to see the final product is just, just so rewarding. That's when you know you've hit the sweet spot as well, when you're able to create and you can kind of just live through your art. Like it feels like you're relaxing, but you're actually creating. No, nah, exactly. And it's getting easier. You know, um, a big part of that is just me continuing to get comfortable with myself and just my identity altogether as, as an individual and then as an artist. Do you find it easier to realize ideas now in general? Yeah, overall. Sometimes it's a struggle depending on like what I'm going through. Uh, there's just like some life stuff happening around me. Um, but most of the time I, kind of, I can kind of bring it back home and um, anytime something sparks up, I'm able to kind of 
crank out the idea that 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 I have in mind, or if I if I write something down as like a skeleton or an outline, I'm able to kind of fill in all the pieces that I want, whether that's musically, visually, like it all ends up coming together. When you were saying as well that you had the mood board for Lucky Me for like a year previous to writing the song, is that mood board up all the time? Is it in your kind of daily life and you're going past it? I have a lot of reference mood boards. So I have one that I started the end of 2019. It was called like the evolution of flower child, like phase two. Um, and I was like, all right, it's time to like put all these like out there ideas together and, and slowly push them out after the flow EP. I included some of those ideas in within the flow cover and whatnot, but it was, it was really like once September hit man of 2020, that's when I really started to kind of like crank out these ideas for sure. Is there any parallel in that timeline with your meditation? Um, I'd say meditating so much up until that point gave me a great foundation for being able to be more comfortable one with myself and my ideas. When you're more comfortable with your ideas, how does that impact the approach to translating them into your art? I feel like as, a, as an artist, when you're more comfortable with your ideas, like everything just, it changes it for the better, I should say. Um, because like I said, even if it like, cause what I'm doing now, it's not the opposite of, of what I was doing before. It's just an evolved product with me being comfortable with everything. It, it allowed everything to flow almost seamlessly, man. Like it's kind of hard to put it into words cause it's just, it happens so naturally. And I'm just like, I feel like I prepared myself for, you know, this transition musically and artistically just by doing all those things spiritually to, to get myself to where I'm at just as a person. And I always tell people, as long as you're evolving and growing as a person, the music is going to flow right with it. So just getting more comfortable with myself, like not flower child myself <laughs> and then it all like it's it's one in the same um but there's a switch that you have to turn on and off like obviously when i'm in my own zone and i'm alone i'm kind of back uh to the two-in-one person me being comfortable with myself and my own identity outside of flower child allows me to kind of create those ideas for flower child seamlessly that uh that switch you mentioned you know that idea of turning it on and off are you always in control of that, do you feel like? Yeah, definitely. Because when I'm meeting people in the street, I don't introduce myself as my artist name. Like, I just like meeting people and just kind of like letting them know like, hey, I'm Kev. Like, <laughs> super simple. Because there are times like when I'm out in public, it happened a couple of times in LA where someone was like, oh, you're a flower child. I'm like, yeah, like, nice to meet you. But they still like, that artist persona is still there because obviously they just pointed you out as like a public figure but i'm introducing myself like as myself because like i said it's all one and the same i don't believe in like switching up you know what i'm saying but there is a time like where you do have to turn it off so like as artists you you get really bogged down in your craft or you get really into it and you get sidetracked by all these things that you want to do all these ideas but there's a switch that you have to turn off say you might have a partner that you're intimate with you have family, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's a time and a place, um, to be an artist and a time and a place to, to, to be yourself and turn that artist switch off. 
you know, we were kind of talking about how you feel very comfortable with expressing a lot of different sides of yourself that you weren't previously in your music now. Are there any sides to yourself that you still wouldn't approach in your music? Yeah, definitely. Because we talked about um, comfortability earlier. I'm just so comfortable to the point now where I'm like, all right, what's next? Uh, and I just feel like what I go through in life will, will help me kind of define what's next. There are some, some things that, or I'll say this, kind of meeting new people and experiencing new things will definitely help me kind of figure out um, what's next as far as like my evolution as an artist and, and, and all of that. Because right now I'm like super comfortable with who I am, my identity, and I'm stepping into my own, you know, because as a just growing up, that it was just difficult to like, you know, accept who, who I was and, and, and just be myself 100%. But now it's a lot easier because, I mean, through through like your maturation, you just get more comfortable with yourself and you don't really care about other outside factors. Who is the last person you met that gave you a glimpse of where you're going next? That's a great question because I don't meet a whole lot of new people. Uh, a lot of new people I've been meeting have just kind of been new people to meet and good people to have around. But I can't say that. I guess I can, I can say maybe people who compliment the music, they affirm, help affirm, because I'm going to affirm it myself regardless, but other people affirming what I'm doing currently would probably be my best answer as far as who I've most recently met. There's no one who's really come into my life to, that has drastically changed anything. I hope, I hope that person comes soon to where I'm just like, <laughs> all right. I hope it's a positive thing <laughs> that comes into my life soon where it's just like, oh man, I just got this like super like huge burst of like inspo. Um, Does that maybe come back to what we were saying about, you know, you were saying sometimes you get too comfortable and you have to step out the room. Does a person coming into your life have the same effect because you're out of control? Yeah, I think having those people around, you have to get rid of them or you have to remove yourself. And it's tough sometimes because I've been in that situation. I was in a situation like that earlier this year. There were moments where I was like, all right, I have to remove myself. And I was like, wait, I have to remove this person. So it's, it's difficult to kind of go back and forth with, but at the end, like you'll, as an artist, if, if you're like, if you know yourself and you know, it's best for you and you've learned from like past mistakes of like doing the same thing over and over again, that puts you in a certain position that you don't want to be in again then you, you you know what you need to do and that that comes with like intimate relationships like personal friendships family it's whatever or bad business partners it, it doesn't matter when you say remove yourself what exactly do you mean you just mean cut the relationship off or i feel like we've all, all kind of been in a place where someone and, and again this could be any situation becomes dependent upon you you know, for, for certain needs. That's what I mean when, when I say you have to kind of yourself. You care about uh, someone else or their situation. Is that a gradual process? Oh, definitely. It's, 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 one, it's hard to like lead. The lead up is difficult and then kind of like the come down is difficult too because there's a lot of like, like healing involved within that just, just all together when you have to remove yourself from, from someone's life for whatever reason it is. 
Yeah, I mean, pain always becomes growth. It hurts in the short term, but in the long term, it's always going to aid you. Absolutely. And you feel and you feel a lot better after you do it. You know, it's like, all right, that was that was tough. But you you know what that did to you in the past. So do your best to prevent that situation from happening again. I mean, you can apply that truth to music, too. Like often the hardest decision is the right one to take and it hurts in the short term, but it's really going to aid your progression going forward. Exactly. 1000%. I agree. I mean, on the flip side of that, that's a truth that you've learned from life that you can take into music. What's a truth that you've learned from music that you can take into life? It's crazy because a lot of people would think that this would be the opposite way. Like don't take, not, not taking things personal. For me, I've experienced like so many things in music that I've been able to apply to like my outside of music life. So not taking things personal is probably the biggest thing Um, because in music, you're going to be working with a lot of people who you don't know on a personal level. You never know what someone is going through. uh, Just because as musicians, we go through a lot of mental health issues or just as 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 artists, whatever type of artist you are. Like I know a ton of people who've been who've gone through um, mental health struggles. So my biggest thing with that is just like that I've learned from music and applying it to my own personal life is not taking things personal. Because I've dealt with so many situations with that far more situations in music where I had to tell myself don't take it personal, and I was able to apply it to something like my family or something. Because it all like everything is is rooted in something you know and it's it's not your responsibility to kind of assume or, or or guess what it is you just have to not take it personal it's as simple as that easier said than done sometimes oh yeah it's <laughs> it's definitely difficult i have these conversations all the time you know especially in music because it's like you know sometimes you will feel like your time really got wasted but there's always a reason behind that you know <laughs> so always a reason behind it and as long as you take a lesson from that it's not really wasted time. It's not at all. It's a great point. It's because, again, like new situations I've dealt with, you know, I always tell myself there's that light bulb that goes off. I'm like, all right, you dealt with that situation. Do not let it happen again. Don't let that kind of fester on and, uh, and, and continue to evolve into like a bad thing. <laughs> Have there been less of those situations in COVID? Have you kind of just been more in an insular creative space? No. Those situations actually happened a lot more during COVID. Um, but this year I've kind of like been able to cut off those dead ends and, and, and keep it pushing because last year I like, you know, there's different situations I allowed to continue to happen. I was like, all right, why do you keep doing this to yourself? You know how this is going to end. So just don't deal with it anymore. And, and figure out a new way or just move on, keep it pushing. Comes back to growth. I feel like that's been a theme of this chat. Yeah, growth, man. <laughs> like, I'm all about that. I always tell people I'm all about growth. It's super important. I always tell myself a part of my meditation is like, you know, be cognizant of what you say and do to others, but also be cognizant of what other people say and do to you <laughs> and how it affects you. So it's, it's, it's all, I'm all about like duality and, and, and balance. You know, you can't, it, it can't just be one like one-sided because i know a lot of people who you know are, are sometimes too forgiving and you can't be too forgiving in certain situations so you got to know how much you're able to withstand it's all about push and pull or push or pull with what you're saying as well 
about how you're more conscious of the way that you communicate and the way you come across to others. Does that then feed into the music too? I think just me being cognizant and aware and, and, and taking action definitely finds its way through the music. Um, I can't put it into words because it's all like programmed like subconsciously because it's like through routine. Instinct. Yeah. It's like you said, it's instinct. It's almost like a like a natural reaction through the music kind of sort of thing. Well, it kind of comes back to what we were saying earlier on about the idea that shows always go as well and they're like a muscle of you rehearse. It just becomes that second nature. It's powerful when it happens. It's like playing an instrument. I played instruments for years. There's certain things like I can put my instrument down for a year I could pick it right back up almost like I never left it you know there's there's just muscle memory you played trombone right mm-hmm. yep yeah. and your your dad was a band director still is my parents are really young men so they're still working <laughs> in their fields <laughs> yeah do you have conversations with your parents about where they were at, at your point in life if they had you when they were younger yeah I know exactly where they were they were young adults with children <laughs> which is a completely uh different uh lifestyle from what i live currently that's why i have the freedom to do certain things because once you have a child you know it's not that your life is over but there are a lot of things that you either wanted to do that you can no longer do or are put on hold because you have to raise a child so i have those conversations with them them often uh or older people in my family i'm just like hey i don't I don't have children, so I can do this. You know, I can take this risk and not feel bad about it. Could you see yourself having children at some point in the future? Definitely. I want to. Um, just not right now because I know, I know things happen. But for me, I don't, I don't want to bring a child into the world if I'm not where I want to be 100%. Not, I don't want to say 100%, but I want to make sure I'm comfortable so that like, my child is able to have the most stable you know, childhood and, and fun and fulfilling childhood as possible comes back to the importance of balance in your life absolutely absolutely because i think you know some people like i said things happen and then some people unselfishly like bring children into the world and people don't have great childhoods because their parents unselfishly like you know decided to have kids yeah it's also easier now to control though absolutely we got we got a lot of different things to to keep that from happening man so yeah you're uh you know we're talking about spirituality a little bit earlier on you're a pisces right do you place any value on that i do man i don't put too much stock into it um because the internet is a wild place uh i've done my research i've talked to like credible people who've done a lot of research I don't believe that defines you like your sign defines you as a person. I think your upbringing has way more to do with that because you have a terrible upbringing and like you just have like these trauma responses. That's not reflect of a reflection of your sign. <laughs> That's just who you are based on what your childhood was like. Like, you know, there's personality traits that kind of go hand in hand with it. But like I said, there's a hundred percent makeup of a person. I put maybe 70% of their upbringing into it, 10% of something else, and maybe 15 to 20% of their actual sign into like their identity. I don't put, I don't like to put too much stock into to, to that. What aspects of Pisces would you see in yourself? There's some aspects that I had to kind of like work on 
on myself. Like, so I start with kind of like the negative, it's like passive aggression. But I think that also goes in, goes hand in hand with you just maturing, learning and knowing how to communicate properly. Cause that's all passive aggression is. You just not either not knowing how to communicate or just you selfishly not wanting to communicate. I've worked on that big time. A lot of Pisces get a lot of flack for that. The characteristics that I do see in myself is uh, a lot of Pisces, people think they're kind of mysterious, obviously like super creative and artsy, delusional. I, I can definitely be delusional. In what way? And, uh, just overthinking things like crazy. And it's not what I thought it was at all. <laughs> it's been like that literally my whole life, man. I can't even give you a starting point. Uh, it's been so many things that I thought was like much worse than what it actually was. And finding out, I was like, oh, that wasn't bad at all. Or like, you know, I don't know. I like, I'm really bad on like flights, man. <laughs> Sometimes I get like a random thought. I'm like, oh, we're good. We're good. I just have to keep reminding myself. So I'm not like, for instance, with flights, I'm terrible with turbulence. I just, you won't see it. But in my mind, I'm like, I just want to get on the ground safely. <laughs> That's all I want. What do you think about when turbulence happens? Or who do you think about when turbulence happens? Man, with turbulence, I just like, I just want to get on the ground. Like, I, I don't know. Like, obviously, there's thousands and thousands of flights that happen every day. I'm just like, I will not be that one today. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm just like, all right. Because my anxiety just kind of goes crazy. Because my, literally my last flight coming back home last week, it was like there was a tropical storm in the Gulf. So we got a lot of, uh, we had to go through some thunderstorms and stuff, man. Call me crazy, but I'm not because I spoke with my stepmom and I saw a bright blue flash hit like the wing of the plane. And I'm like, I think that was lightning that just hit the plane. Cause I heard the bump, I saw the flash. And I thought we landed three different times, but we actually were still in the air. <laughs> and like, once I hit, uh, once I landed, um, my stepmom, she was like, yeah, lightning hits planes. Like it doesn't really affect them, but it hits planes. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So now I'm like, I'm a nerd. I want to do research on that. I guess if you're so high up, it's looking for the nearest point to try and touch down, isn't it? Literally, literally. And you're, I mean, I guess it, if, then if you're above the clouds, how would that work? Well, you know, with the atmosphere, there's clouds like you're 30,000 feet up. There's still like certain clouds that are that far up. So, but as you descend, you know, you're not 30,000 feet anymore. You're like more like 15, maybe 12,000 feet. I fly Delta. That's my personal preference. So on the little screen, you can see the altitude and how high you're up. So when you're descending, you're like, all right, we're not 30,000 feet up. So at that point, when the plane did get struck, I think it got struck or it was very close. We were definitely like going through some clouds for sure. Wow. It's terrifying. Yeah, it is, man. I think it, because it's the safest form of travel, but it's just the nature of it, the way that it would unfold if it was to all go wrong. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> it's, it's, man. Like you said, that's crazy. You said that that's the safest form, form of travel because people get in their cars every day. I get in my car every day. I, I don't think twice about it. It makes sense for that to be the safest form of travel. But it's just, if you don't do something often enough, you know, you're not used to it. 
So for me, it's like if someone flies all the time, they're used to it. But if you drive, if you start driving after 20 years of flying and you see these cars going 100 miles down the road and you're only going 70, you're going to be freaked out. Like, why is everything happening so fast around me? There's so many other moving parts versus you're in a plane. You're nine times, 10 times out of 10, you're the only plane in that area. Do you think it's also because you're in control of your driving? Absolutely. Like someone else, like your fate is in someone else's hands, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's a crazy thing to think about. In your creative process, where do you feel most in control and where do you feel most out of control? Collaborative sessions is where I feel most out of control because there's so many moving ideas in the room. I feel a lot of sessions I've had that were collab sessions where there were multiple people in the room. I don't know why it always ends up being this way, but somehow I end up taking the lead on things. So I do have some control there. Um, but I don't like to think about think about it as control is just more so like, all right, you're just leading. And that's something I've had to accept over the last couple of years. But outside of that, just in my own creative sessions, where it's just me, I have all the control, like, you know, all the ideas are flowing through me. And there's, there's no one else to like, kind of throw in an idea unless I like, go out and seek new ideas, which I do all the time in my music. Almost every song has another person on it. 99% of the songs has, have, has another person involved. So, Just because it inspires and you want to add something different to the mix. Absolutely. There, there's, there's some artists, I commend them for, for creating everything. Like it's, it's hard to be a one-man band. I could do it, but I just choose not to because I value the art of collaboration way too much. You know, That's what's gotten me to where I am um, today, just reaching out to other people and getting their ideas. On, on my music. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 